You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network, produced at 3CR Community Radio on Wandry Country. Before starting the show, we would like to acknowledge that we broadcast from the stolen lands of the Wandry and Burrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay respect to elders, past and present. Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters with Idwin Jeffrey. This week, a very special episode in which we get to chat to two campaigners from Friends of the Earth Japan. This series of interviews was born out of a recent trip I had to Japan uh, where I was lucky enough to talk with the grassroots environmental group about the environmental situation that's going on and key environmental issues that communities are currently facing. Funnily enough, uh, a lot of the issues that Japan are going through are mirrored here in Australia. So this was a wonderful opportunity to get to hear about a different country and a different country's campaigns, but also be reminded of a lot of the rhetoric arguments and issues that we are hearing around the environment back here in Australia. From this meeting, uh, we have two interviews, the first of which is going to be a 101 get to know the environmental situation currently happening in Japan. So the government's approach to environment and then some of Friends of the Earth's main campaigns. And then in the second part of today's episode, we're going to dig a little bit deeper, a bit more focused, and have a look at the resurgence of nuclear energy as a current debate that's happening in Japan, and learning more about the government's pro-nuclear push, and then also grassroots resistance. So without further ado, let's jump into our first interview, which was with Friends of the Earth, uh, one of the lead coordinators, who's away with a general discussion of the environmental situation in Japan currently and some of their key campaigns. This interview kicks off with Huzue giving us a little bit of history about Friends of the Earth in Japan. So the, yeah, the FOE Japan is a environmental NGO uh, based in Tokyo. Uh, and then we work uh, since 1981 and then to address the various environmental, social, and human rights issues related to the Japan. Uh, so the, we, uh, how do you say, uh, do the research, advocacy work, and then uh, working with the local community uh, that affected the, yeah, the Japanese uh, development project and inside, the, I mean, the domestically, and then also the, yeah, in abroad. Jumping into better understanding Japan and Japan's relationship with the environment, I thought a good entry point would be COP27 and how both our respective nations are showing up to this international environmental conference and what that shows about our approach to the environment. So I know both Australia and Japan's prime ministers chose not to attend the Leaders' Summit and Japan was also awarded the infamous Fossil Award by the Climate Action Network for promoting false solutions, as they called it, around oil and the funding of gas and coal projects. Could you tell us a little bit more about what the government's stance on this global conference shows about their current approach to the environment? Yeah, uh, so yeah, as uh, you mentioned, that uh, our prime minister didn't attend the COP27. That's it's really disappointing. Uh, to all of us, uh, and then, but the, that is the very proof of the how Japanese government is neglecting or the yeah 
ignoring the real issue of the climate impacts. So the, how do you say, uh, in fact, that the Japan is uh, still the largest uh, financier of the fossil fuels, including the coal, uh, oil, and gas. And that's why the, yeah, the Japanese government uh, or Japan got the fossil hours uh, in this, uh, during the COP27 as well. But the recent international uh, voice or criticism against the Japanese finance for the fossil fuel. Actually, the Japanese government at least committed to end the new finance for the new coal firepower plants. But uh, there are still a lot of loopholes. Like now, only Japan uh, among the G7 countries wants to promote the, the coal firing. Uh, of the ammonia, hydrogen, or biomass in the existing coal firepower plants. The huge criticism uh, from the local host countries or host, host country civil society like uh, Indonesia or Philippines or the Bangladesh because the this kind of false solution or the co-firing of the ammonia hydrogen biomass in the existing coal fire plants is actually to prolong the usage of the fossil fuels. You've mentioned that Japan's approach to environmentalism is very much one step forward, two steps back. Could you tell us a little bit more about this, specifically in relation to its ongoing commitment towards coal and fossil fuels? Yeah, of course, the wind side uh, to stop the new finance for the new coal fiber plants. It's exactly because of the uh, strong pressure or the international criticism uh, from the outside uh, countries, including the other G7, uh, G6 countries and also the local communities uh, in Asian countries. Yeah, but in the domestically, uh, in the Japan, uh, the the conservative industry side or business peoples are still uh, strong to doing the lobbying against the Japanese companies, uh, Japanese government, and then the uh, the Japanese governments are really back the Japanese uh, business or industry to keep uh, their benefits uh, in terms of the coal, uh, gas, and oil. Yeah, industries, including actually the nuclear. Yeah. On this topic of rhetoric and environmental arguments, it sounds like Australia and Japan are very similar in the way that the environment is talked about. That is always in relation to economy and industry. Would you say this is the case for how the Japanese government approaches environmental policy? During the discussion or argument that, of course, the Japanese government or companies are all, all mentioning about how climate change is now serious problems and then they need to address. And uh, they are now targeting at the new the net zero commitment by 2050, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But the uh, it sounds to us all the greenwashing, like uh, they haven't yet seen the what's going on the ground level, and then the, they just uh, how do you say uh, see the surface of the problems. So what they are saying 
is not uh, addressing to solve the fundamental problems. <laughs> because, the, yeah, as you say, that uh, they are still looking at the benefits for the economic uh, side. And then the, the tendency is also that the Japanese government and then the company is really relying on the invasion of the or innovation of the technologies, which is not yet uncertain and not yet certain. Uh, yeah. One of the awesome things you guys are currently doing is connecting with local communities to get that deeper grassroots experience. And I understand you've recently been really involved in the Philippines, working with communities that are being affected by mining and specifically minerals for electrical vehicles. Could you tell us a little bit more about the campaign and effort that you guys have been doing there? Yeah, aside from the uh, false solutions uh, to push the coal firing in the, how do you say, the existing the fossil fuel plants, Actually, the Japan is also pushing the other false solution to promote the electric vehicles to mitigate the climate crisis or climate impacts. But uh, actually, the electric vehicles needs the, how do you say, the transition minerals, including nickel, lithium, and of course, the, uh, the general uh, minerals like a copper. But uh, on the ground of the nickel mining development, uh, mostly the indigenous people and the local community has been suffering from the massive destruction of environment and then the also uh, huge social impacts. So in- environmental impacts include the massive deforestation, uh, huge hectares of land grabbing, and then, of course, the uh, huge impacts on the biodiversity water contamination in the river and sea. And the society also suffering the uh, loss or damage on their livelihood, uh, such as fishing and farming. And then the uh, mostly uh, those uh, mining projects uh, cause the conflict or discrimination among the community and then also div- dividing among the community itself. Because of the increasing of such uh, critical metals or transition minerals, we have been working with the local community in the Philippines and then also the Philippine NGOs uh, to prove how the uh, nickel mining activity in the Philippines and then also the nickel processing plants have continuously caused the devastating impacts on the community. And then the, we also request the Japanese public agency and private company uh, involved in such a mining activity to improve the performance. Also that uh, we are trying to make the Japanese public or the international society to be aware of the real impact of the countermeasure of the climate crisis, like uh, what will happen uh, with the increased use of the electric vehicles. Because uh, we don't want, the, as you say, the world uh, will be sustained at the cost of the uh, local community by more and more mining activities.
You're listening to 3CR on the Community Radio Network. Today we are talking with two campaigners from Japan's Friends of the Earth about some of the environmental issues currently going on and Friends of the Earth's campaigns. We've just been speaking with a lead campaigner who's away about some of our Friends of the Earth's campaigns in the Philippines. But now we're going to jump to a conversation about nuclear energy, as there has been a recent resurgence by the Japanese government for nuclear power to be an alternative solution to the energy crisis. This debate comes 11 years after the Fukushima nuclear disaster, which was a nuclear accident in 2011, believed to be caused by the 2011 Tokuhu earthquake and tsunami, which damaged the Fukushima nuclear power plant, leading to a loss of electrical power and resulting in the most severe nuclear accident since Chernobyl. Nevertheless, the government is still promoting new nuclear plants as a solution for Japan, with corporate partners such as Mitsubishi Heavy and Hitachi pledging to develop new nuclear reactors in 2030. I caught up with Ayumi to discuss the context for this resurgence of pro-nuclear sentiment by the government and the work Friends of Earth are doing to support communities affected by nuclear. Uh, my name is Ayumi Fukakusa. I'm climate and energy campaigner at Friend of the Earth Japan. My uh, main focus is climate change policies and also energy, including uh, coal, uh, fossil fuel, and nuclear. The Japanese uh, government and nuclear industry um, is pushing uh, pro-nuclear policies all the time. But after the Fukushima nuclear crisis, like 10 years ago, 11 years ago, the government decided to phase out nuclear power. Um, but then the right-wing uh, party came back in power and that nuclear phase-out policy was changed completely and and uh, nuclear power was um, positioned uh, as a base load or important energy sources. But um, even though um, the conservative government are pro-nuclear, their plan is to keep nuclear power, but not to increase. Um, they kept the word like uh, we tried to de- reduce the dependence on nuclear, but now what the government is trying to do is to build new ones. Um, this is, um, I think this is new. Uh, the current administration is quite strongly pushing to restart existing nuclear power plants and um, to build new ones and invest in new technologies, um, small modular nuclear uh, power plants, for example. And that became stronger after uh, Russian invasion to Ukraine. Uh, They used this energy security narrative to push their agenda. That's, I think, uh, the brief background. Fukushima was little over a decade ago. Could you tell us a little bit about the the social and community consequences uh, that are ongoing from this disaster and how it sort of sets the stage for this new resurgence of 
pro-nuclear debate? Yeah, um, so there are many families, communities affected by the nuclear uh, disaster. Uh, many people are still under, uh, in, uh, how to say, uh, evacuate in uh, evacuation. So some areas used to be banned uh, from returning. That ban uh, were gradually lifted. So some people went back, but uh, especially young families, young people are not coming back. So uh, mostly old people or uh, those who are working on decommissioning work in Fukushima uh, live there. And still some areas are really um, um, uh, not ready uh, for living. And yeah, and the the uh, fishing communities are suffering. And um, yeah, many communities are still suffering. But the I think uh, when Japanese government or Japan hosted uh, Olympics in 2021, they really emphasized the reconstruction from the disaster and they emphasized how communities uh, are doing well. But in reality, I think still many people are suffering uh, economically and financially, uh, financially and uh, socially, I think. We have this program, um, a refreshment camp for uh, families in Fukushima. Um, and uh, we often talk to families and they say it's it's kind of taboo to talk about uh, radiation because uh, people live there and some people don't want to um, think that they live in such a dangerous situation or something like that. So it's hard for families who care about um, radiation and um, the consequence of uh, radiation exposure. Um, so I think the communities are divided. What are the concerns from Friends of the Earth about these these proposals for new nuclear plants and the government rhetoric that's currently going on? We are against nuclear power uh, um, and uh, even restarting existing ones would be really concerned um, because of the uh, radiation risks and in, in, uh, accident risks and also the nuclear waste. Japanese government doesn't have any permanent storage for nuclear waste or, 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 or any sort. So if we continue to use nuclear power, we continue to produce nuclear waste that um, is not solved at all. So future generations need to take care of it and workers uh, are being exposed to radiations. So in the first place, we are against new projects and also existing ones. And it's totally a waste of money <laughs> spending on that, uh, that um, technologies. Um, that the government uh, is saying that this is um, climate change solutions um, as nuclear power doesn't emit much CO2s, but... Um, we don't have much time to cope with climate change, and if we if they really want to build new ones, it will take so much time and money, and, and it doesn't really make sense to us. Could you tell us a little bit more about Friends of the Earth's counter campaign? What are the big draw cards or points that you're trying to get across about this sort of anti-nuclear argument? 
Yeah, uh, we do a lot of public campaigns on uh, on on this issue. Um, so the current government planned um, to extend the uh, uh, lifetime nuclear power stations or investing more in more uh, new technologies or building new ones. We are uh, we strongly against and release statements and make a short video uh, to tell people what's why why this is problematic and also um uh, we work with uh, local people a lot um so we also try to uh, support the rights of people affected by nuclear power we do offer refreshment camp for families um in fukushima and and other other issues i haven't mentioned uh is to how how we um deal with uh, damaged nuclear power plants in Fukushima. And there are tons of contaminated water stored at Fukushima power stations. And also from the decontamination work, there are lots of uh, contaminated soil um, stored in uh, interim storages. And the government's plan is for, for contaminated water is to discharge contaminated water into ocean and reuse these soil for public construction work. So basically, they what they are trying to do is to spread these contaminated materials um, uh, over the world. So, um, so we are trying to uh, stop this. But unfortunately, the discharging contaminated water uh, was approved by the government already. And the TEPCO, uh, Tokyo Electric Company, is preparing to do so. Um, but we are strongly against it. And there are so many concerns, not only from uh, fishing communities or domestic communities, but also like uh, Pacific uh, countries around around Japan, like Korea, Pacific Ocean. Um, so uh, we we um, yeah we are finding these uh, policies with local communities. Mm. Just on this topic of refreshment camps, can you tell us more about uh, what that is and what you guys are doing on sort of that grassroots level? So um so we uh started this refreshment camp right after Fukushima nuclear disaster there was uh there is has been an experience in Europe uh, after Chernobyl nuclear accident many civil society organizations and also I think government of um these com- countries offer children for a recuperation camp so like in Belarus, uh, Ukraine, Russia, the affected uh, areas, children exposed to relatively high radiation uh, contamination. So they take children to other not contaminated area and spend few weeks. So we learned from that experience and m- maybe we can do that in Japan as well. So um, after a nuclear accident, many local small organizations in Japan offer uh, affected people for, for those kind of um, camp. So we started that after Fukushima nuclear crisis and we still continue doing it. And we offer um, families like uh, opportunities to talk to uh, doctors or lawyers if they have any concerns. And also we offer like educational um, workshop to children what, why um, uh, nuclear power is uh, problematic or what climate change, something like that. So, but we really uh, learned from uh, experience in Europe um, about this. 
you've mentioned that there's a lot of fear around nuclear energy and taboo and on the flip side, you know, a lot of fear of a lot of reasonable fear around costs of living pressures and the energy crisis. So I was just wondering for my last question, working with these communities, what have you sort of found is uh, just the general sentiment or, or what have you sort of discovered about public attitudes in these community conversations you've been having? So I think the challenges and sufferings that uh, affected communities are facing uh, really, um, really heartbreaking and severe. Um, they are still uh, struggling, um, and and but the government doesn't seem to listen or see the reality of of people uh, facing. And we try to to listen to those voices and try to spread that uh, voices um, wider uh, public. And this uh, uh, like fearful energy shortage, for example, people really don't think about what's happening at the source of energy. <laughs> um, and that's, I think, very important for people to think about what kind of energy or what kind of future we are. Uh, we we want so uh, and we really want to connect these people's voices, people's stories with our choices. Yeah, I think communities are helping us. I think uh, they are really great, and we learn so much from them. You've been listening to Earth Matters with Idwin Jeffrey. That last interview was with Japan's Friends of the Earth, Ayumi, uh, talking about the recent government push for nuclear energy in Japan and Friends of the Earth's counter-campaign. We also had uh, Huzue at the start of the show talking more generally about talking more generally about Friends of the Earth. And some of the campaigns have had both nationally and then also internationally. Again, as I said at the start of the show, it's fascinating to hear how many of these issues that are going on in Japan are mirrored here in Australia, whether it is government's continued commitment towards coal and the one step forward, two steps back approach, or uh, internationally with this idea of countries getting away with mining human environmental and human rights abuses overseas and the public not really knowing or being connected to those communities and what's happening. If you are interested in learning more, uh, you can head to their website, which is Friends of the Earth uh, Japan, or I'll also have it listed in this show's rundown. Otherwise, Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in broadcasting today's episode, and the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support. Earth Matters is produced at 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy, Melbourne, and we can be contacted at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. That's all for now, but tune in next week for more environmental and social justice stories. Thanks, as always, for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.